the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Joined now by Ambassador Nikki Haley, formerly United States Ambassador to the United Nations, also Governor of South Carolina. Good morning, Ambassador Haley. Welcome. It's good to have you. Good morning, Hugh. Thank you for having me on. Uh, Five days ago in the Post, you wrote that President Biden must not also bungle the coming decision on whether to recognize these barbarians, the Taliban, as Afghanistan's legitimate government. Have you heard anything about this issue? I have not. You know, we're trying to sound the alarm bells. I mean, that's something that we think is really important. There is in no way can you acknowledge a group that harbored the terrorists that killed over 3,000 people on 9-11. You can't, because the second you acknowledge them, that means you're willing to give them aid. Any dollars that go to Afghanistan at all are going into the Taliban hands, and you can't do this. And it's not just us. We've got to make sure others don't acknowledge the Taliban as the head of the Afghan government. We've got to make sure the United Nations doesn't acknowledge them. The sad part, Hugh, is we're, like, secondary in all this. I mean, the U.K. has already said they're not going to acknowledge them. The EU is not going to acknowledge them. The International Monetary Fund has said they're not going to acknowledge and give aid. And the U.S. still hasn't said anything. I mean, it, you, you can't make this up. I mean, all I keep thinking is it didn't have to be this way. It just didn't have to be this way. You could look at 10 different scenarios of how to do this, and Biden and company couldn't have picked a worse scenario to have this happen. Uh, Yesterday, Britt Hume was on our friend Guy Benson's show. If I can play for you his audio, cut number one. But anybody who ever heard him speak for any length of time could tell that this guy, this was not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And, you you know, he could talk forever and was famous for it. But you never had the sense that he was terribly smart. And on top of that, now he's manifestly senile. And between those two things, this is a man with very, very severe limitations who is well too old, in my opinion, to be the president of the United States. Ambassador Haley, your assessment of Britt Hume's assessment. Well, you know, what I said the other day is, you know, something is very wrong. Either you've got President Biden's team is not telling him the truth, is not giving him the proper information, or President Biden is not thinking properly and not looking at the scenario and able to process it, because none of this makes sense. I mean, the idea that you would go and have, you know, pull out all of the troops before you pull out American citizens, the idea that you would leave $85 billion worth of equipment and weapons at Bagram Air Force Base, which is our number one NATO U.S. hub, and totally surrender all of that to the Taliban. But more than that, think about that press conference. The idea in one press conference, Biden said that al-Qaeda is no longer in Afghanistan, which is wrong. Biden said that our allies are fine with everything he's done, which is wrong. 
I mean, all of these things that he continues to say, like, they just weren't factual at all. And so clearly, you know, he's not getting the information, he's not listening to the information, or he's not remembering the information. But regardless, it has put a lot of Americans in harm's way. It has infuriated our military. It has infuriated our allies. And it's, I, it's going to take a lot for us to come out of this. Ambassador Haley, you were tweeted last week to have our generals say that they are depending on diplomacy with the Taliban is an unbelievable scenario. Negotiating with the Taliban is like dealing with the devil. Breaking news this morning, CIA Director Burns met with the head of the Taliban in Kabul on Monday. Was that ill-advised? No, I mean, I, clearly they have to talk to the Taliban because that's how we get our American troops out. There are times that America has to deal with the devil. When I was at the United Nations, there were times we had to negotiate with the devil. That's going to happen. The difference is you negotiate from a point of strength. You make sure you're coming at it from a point of strength and not a point of weakness. And that's where this all went wrong. I mean, you basically surrendered everything. And now you have our American American citizens and our Afghan allies that are basically you know, hostages of the Taliban, and now you're going to go back to them? With what? We have no leverage. And Ambassador Haley, uh, on, on yesterday, former National Security Advisor O'Brien and on Friday, former Secretary of State Pompeo said that this would not have happened under President Trump. Do you agree with their assessment? Well, President Trump knew how to deal with terrorists. I mean, we saw that in the way that he eliminated the caliphate in, you know, the ISIS caliphate. In, you know, Syria, we saw the fact that he eliminated Soleimani in dealing with Iran. The one thing President Trump knew was he knew that um, when you're dealing with terrorists, you deal from a point of strength. He also knew that you make sure you have conditions in place. And those things didn't happen. And so, look, I mean, anytime you're dealing with a scenario like this, you have dangers that can happen. But he never never would have allowed that equipment at Bagram Air Force Base to stay and be given to the Taliban. He never would have taken our soldiers out without making sure our Americans and our embassy staff and our allies were safe and and away. And those are things we knew. If you ever sat in the National Security Council with him, you knew how much he respected our military, but you also knew how much he made sure we were always watching out for our interests first and making sure that we had the most leverage when negotiating with any um, deals with the devil that we had to do. Ambassador Haley, uh, the left is arguing that the Doha agreement negotiated at President Trump's direction by Secretary Pompeo is, in fact, the original sin. Uh, Did you at the time criticize the Doha negotiations? So I wasn't there when they um, negotiated that last bit. But what I could tell you is What the Trump people won't say is you had four years where Afghanistan, we weren't humiliated in Afghanistan. We weren't defeated in Afghanistan. And we basically were we had the upper hand in all negotiations at that point. I can tell you this, whatever came out of Doha, they never would have moved forward without making sure that we had conditions in place on accountability for the Taliban. And the two things that President Trump very much cared about in his negotiations with the Taliban was, one, making sure that we didn't allow al-Qaeda to in any way have a resurgence in Afghanistan or in any way be allowed to continue to come back. You know, now we see all of those prisoners have been let out of the prisons there 
there are no prisoners left in Afghanistan because the Taliban let all of the al-Qaeda guys free, that wouldn't have happened. I mean, I think that's the thing that you have to look at is there were certain things that we were doing to make sure that nothing bad happened. And that didn't happen. I don't know what Biden thought, but the idea that you're just going to go and say, oh, well, maybe it'll take them six months to take over is, is terrible. A leader always looks at worst case scenarios, not best case scenarios. And Biden was looking at the best case scenario. Uh, many people have accused President Biden of being Nero-like, fiddling while Rome burned. A very famous philosopher once said it's much worse to not know you have a fiddle and not know that Rome is burning. Do you think that's the situation with the president? He's simply unaware of what is going on and has been going on for seven months? It really looks like it. It really looks like he's clueless when it comes to Afghanistan. I mean, you could get any leader in the world and no one would handle it worse than what Biden's handled. And, I mean, all of our allies are furious with us because it's not just, you know, what we did. And, you know, my husband served in the military. My husband deployed over there. They're angry. They're not angry because he pulled out. That's his right. That's, you know, to pull out is a, is a decision that any president can make. It's how he did it. It's the fact that they spent 20 years trying to make sure that whenever decisions like this were made, we were in the strongest scenario. And the idea that we came out embarrassed in the eyes of the world with all of our allies that we deployed with soldier to soldier, uh, shoulder to shoulder with, the idea that they're angry with us for what we've done, that's what makes the soldiers mad, is the fact that we've left the people that were right there with us. Do you think that one of your predecessors at the U.N., Susan Rice, who's back in the White House and is formerly the national security advisor, has a hand in this strategy? I think so. I really do. Because when you look at this, it's hard. My husband and I were talking yesterday, and the first thing he said is, you know, what was Susan Rice's role in this? And you have to look at that and say, is that a realistic scenario? It's not Biden. It's who's around him. Well, who's around him? Everybody from the Obama administration is around him. I mean, it, it, you hear it all the time that it's Obama 3.0. This is worse. It's a it's a more leftist, progressive, reckless government than we ever had with Obama. Why do you say, uh, Madam Ambassador, that it's, quote, not Biden? Well, because you have to, you know, when you have Biden go sit at a press conference and deny that al Qaeda is in Afghanistan and deny that Americans can't get to the airport and deny that our allies aren't mad, I mean, at some point you have to say, OK, either he's not thinking straight or the rest of the team is running him. Regardless of what it is, I don't care. But Americans are in danger because of this administration. Our allies are in danger because of this administration. And we are going to pay for years of terroristic threat and a weaker America because of the decisions that this administration has made. Now, there are a number of people who are calling for Jake Sullivan to be fired, the National Security Advisor. Robert O'Brien yesterday said on the show, don't do that. The replacement will be worse. Jake's one of the smart guys. Do you fear that if Jake Sullivan is booted, Susan Rice will become, again, the National Security Advisor? I mean, that's always an option. I don't think he's going to get booted. I mean, I think the one thing that is very telling in this is that every time President Biden has taken the microphone, which hasn't been often, but when he takes questions, he doubles down on his decision. He doubles down that this was the right thing to do. He doubles down that he wouldn't have done anything different. He doubles down on having no regrets. That's the part that, you know, if he was shaking in any way, that would be 
um, different. But the shocking part is how he truly doubles down, implying that this was the right way to go and that this was going to happen regardless. That's just wrong. Is there any way that's wrong? Is there any way that we leave on August 31st if there are Americans still unable to get to the airport? We can't. You can't leave an American behind. You absolutely can't. I mean, if you could ask my husband and any other military um, member out there, and they would tell you, send them. They will go get these Americans. That is the number one job of the American military. You never leave an American behind. It's unthinkable to do that because it's basically leaving them to die. And that's the thing that, you know, I have said, you know, for the past several days, Biden has to extend this August 30th deadline. He's got to make sure that they stop just sitting at the airport. They've got to go get these Americans. The French, the British, they're all out there getting their citizens. What are the Americans doing? They're being forced to just sit at the airport. I hope we find out that's not true. Go get the Americans. I hope we find that's not true. I, I, I don't I can't imagine our trips are not being deployed, but maybe it is. You have not ruled out a run, a Madam Ambassador, for president in 2024. Neither is Secretary Pompeo, Senator Rick Scott, Senator Tim Scott, Senator Tom Cotton, former Governor Christie, Vice President Pence. Here's an idea. Should the RNC bring together the six of you who've not ruled out a run to discuss Afghanistan in a, an extended panel, invite a network to televise it? It would help I think the country understand the alternative, the loyal opposition's position. Would you participate in such a roundtable? Well, I mean, I think, first of all, you know, people who want to think about 2024, the, the truth is, Hugh, if, if we don't win 2022, 2024 doesn't matter. I'm happy to talk about Afghanistan. I'm happy to talk about what America should be doing. I'm happy to talk about how our foreign policy is incredibly weak with anyone. But I think doing it in the name of 2024 you know, a year is a lifetime in politics. I think there's a long way to go before we get to that. I think what we have to do is we've got to get Congress together. We've got to make sure we've got Biden in check. We've got to make sure we open up that perimeter. We've got to make sure we extend the deadline. And we've got to make sure that we get our Americans out. That's the biggest thing. And, and whether I'm talking to you about that on the radio or whether I'm talking to you about that with friends, um, you know, that may run for president, I'm happy to do that. But we need action. We don't need talk. We need action right now from Biden. I'm just hoping that the variety of people who lead the party get together and make this a completely in agreement position. You are in a demand cycle right now as a surrogate. People want you in every state. What are some of the top races that you are involved in right now, Ambassador Haley? So we are anywhere and everywhere. We're focused on House, Senate and governor's races. I just came back from um, Virginia and New Jersey on the governor's races there. Um, we feel really good about the directions those are going. We're for, we've been on the West Coast. We've been on the East Coast in terms of House and Senate. Our goal is to win the House, win the Senate. But I'll tell you, Hugh, the thing that everyday people are talking about, and independents in particular, um, along with the Republicans, they're upset about all the culture wars that Biden has allowed to divide our country on. They're upset about their kids being mandated um, either kept out of school or when they're in school being mandated to wear masks. They're upset about what's happening in Afghanistan. They're upset about inflation and the fact that when they go to the grocery store, gas, milk, and everything else is higher. They're upset about every, the direction the country is going. And 
you know, all you have to do is look at Biden's ratings to realize that this isn't about, you know, Republicans and Democrats. This is about Americans saying this is not what we asked for. This is not where we should be going. And something has to change and change quickly. And the way we do that is we stop the bleeding and you stop the bleeding in 2022. Is the division between red America and blue America so deep that it cannot now be bridged, Ambassador Haley? It can be bridged. What you have to remember is it's not what we do, it's how we do it. There are conversations that we can have. If you ask anyone, they all disagree with the fact of what's going on with Afghanistan. They all disagree with the fact that you close schools and not allow our kids to learn in person is harmful. They all disagree with the fact that inflation going up is going to hurt the middle class. They all disagree with the fact that these culture wars are not healthy for anyone and that they're only dividing America. I mean, you Americans in general want to see us come back in a foreign policy that that makes America strong and go and and keeps America safe. So there's a lot more that unites us than divides us. It's just Biden continues to choose the side of the the far leftist and has become a far leftist government. But that's not what America wants. And I think we'll see that in 2022. And I think you'll see it in the governor's races in 2021. I saw a picture, as did many Americans, of Speaker Pelosi in Napa over the weekend, a very large fundraiser, everyone maskless except the help. Now, everyone has to raise money all the time. I'm sure you're doing fundraisers all the time. What did you make of the optics of Nancy Pelosi in front of uh, many well-heeled Bay Area Democrats as their servers were masked and they were not? It's hypocrisy. I mean, it's total hypocrisy. They love to lecture all of us on what we should and shouldn't be doing, but none of it applies to them. And we've seen this time and time again, you know, whether it's Gavin Newsom, whether it's Nancy Pelosi, we see that they have one standard for themselves and a different standard for everyday Americans. And, you know, I I think it's an issue. I think it's something that your everyday Americans see it and they don't like it. I don't think this is Republican and Democrat. I think people see that this is the liberal elite who are starting to lecture Americans and the way they're lecturing Americans is not healthy. It's not safe and they don't like it. And I think we're going to see a shift in this. What what Republicans have to do is make sure that we don't get arrogant and we don't take this for granted. We have to see this as the opportunity it is, which is let's go out and expand the tent. Let's talk to Hispanics. Let's talk to the Asian community. Let's talk to the Jewish community. Let's talk to African-Americans about how harmful this is for their families and why they should be focusing on moving towards a better America, a stronger America that lifts up all people, not just the liberal elite. Speaker Pelosi has stood up what is now a hopelessly compromised House panel on January 6th. Should she shut that down and stand up with Leader Schumer on a select committee on the exit from Afghanistan? Well, I think, first of all, that committee, I, you know, I don't hold a lot of weight in that because Congress loves to talk about things and they don't get anything done. I think that, you know, the DOJ supposedly is already doing their investigations. I don't expect Nancy Pelosi to come out with anything different than the DOJ. So I think it's a waste of time. Um, I think what they ought to be doing is seriously look at where we go forward in Afghanistan. I mean, you've got the idea that Doha is being overtaken by Afghan refugees they're literally the sanitation of of the airport in Kabul and in Doha is is terrible. You're dealing with 107 degree heat. You've got women delivering babies because they're dehydrated. You've got the fact that 
people are being killed. I mean, we've got to come up with a plan. And clearly the Biden administration can't do it. So if Congress wants to get together and plan on, you know, we're a way forward in Afghanistan, we need to do that. But we're already behind the gun. We've got to figure out. We can't keep talking about this. We've got to go ahead and start getting some things done. And we don't have time. August 30th will be here before we know it. This needs to be the administration, Congress, everyone standing together with our allies, telling the Taliban we're staying past August 30th until we get every American citizen out, until we get every ally out and be prepared to do what's next if the Taliban pushes back. If the Congress does stand up a 9-11 style commission, would you be willing to serve on it? Well, I'm always happy to help in any way, but I'll do it if they if it's really going to bring action. I'm not going to do it if it's just going to sit there and talk about things. But I'm always happy to be helpful in anything that's going to do to move our country forward. Now, you mentioned the Afghan refugees, and that's a very delicate subject. There are thousands, tens of thousands of Afghanis who want to come to the United States. Uh, should we say all y'all in free and do what we did with the South Vietnamese, house them at Camp Pendleton until such time as they can be settled in America? Or is there a limit to America's capacity to absorb Afghan refugees? No, I don't think we need to just have an open free for all. I think what we need to do is make sure that we obviously get our American citizens out. But I think we need to help those that helped my husband. I mean, we had many interpreters that our soldiers were safe and kept alive because of these interpreters that risked their lives to keep them safe. We have a moral responsibility to them. Those are the ones that need to make sure they come back. And we need to make sure that we vet everyone, you know, as much as possible. When I was governor, we had the same scenario with Syrian refugees and whether to bring them. And I, as governor, said, no, we can't bring Syrian refugees because when I spoke to the FBI, they said there was no way to vet them. Um, you know, with those that helped our soldiers, they've been vetted. Those that have been vetted that we know that we have a moral responsibility to, yes, we should do what we can. But for everybody else, we can't go and rescue Afghanistan and bring all of their citizens here. What we can do is try and hold some accountability with the international community to make sure that human rights is truly protected for those women and those girls, to make sure that the killing stops, and to make sure we don't acknowledge the Taliban as the head of Afghanistan. My last question, Ambassador Haley, I remember talking to you when your husband deployed and you were left with children. And and as a military spouse, you know what that's like. Just tell us how your husband is reacting to the collapse and catastrophe in Kabul in the country. You know, he's angry. He's angry because it's not what Biden did. It's how he did it. And, you know, if you talk to him or any of the men and women he served with or otherwise, they're kind of at a loss because any of them could have told you that the Afghan military could not have withstood the Taliban. He said that basically, you know, the Afghan military, they were willing to sacrifice. They were willing to fight. They lost tens of thousands of people, but they never could do it alone. They always looked to the U.S. to tell them what to do and how to do it. It's just it was the reality on the ground that they were never going to be able to sustain this. And so the idea that we just up and lifted everything, you know, our air systems, you know, abandoned Bagram Air Force Base, that makes the military mad because you needed a plan to do this. They all knew that it was going to fall and it would fall hard. They just don't know why the Biden administration didn't see that. Ambassador Nikki Haley, I appreciate the time this morning. Please keep coming back. I I appreciate your candor and the time you spent with me. Thank you. Thanks so much, Hugh. Always good to be with you. Thank you. Nikki Haley, former ambassador to the U.N. and, of course, former governor of South Carolina, speaking out strongly against recognizing the Taliban.
Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.